You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded hoes. Okay, not so subtle brag, but I've been getting a lot of compliments on my skin lately, and it is 100% thanks to Truly Lifestyle Brand. Truly Lifestyle Brand is an all-natural and cruelty-free skincare company that allows your skin to become its best self. Their before and after photos are actually insane and totally speak for themselves, so you have to go check them out on their Instagram. Use code TRULYPLUSATIP for 10% off your first online order. Hi guys, it's Danica, and I am once again joined by Riley. Hi. And we have been looking forward to this particular episode for quite a while now, and we are having the honor to be joined today by Rebecca and her father, Sarah Kelly. Yeah, so um, I actually met Rebecca when we both lived in Munich, Germany. We were both working as our peers. And um, yeah, Becca is the one of Sarah Kelly's daughters. She also has an older sister and a younger brother. And at the age of 15, Becca lost her mum to cancer. And then five years after that, uh, her father came out as transgender. Yeah, and we actually also have the absolute pleasure of being joined by her father, Sarah Kelly. And Sarah Kelly is a transgender woman, and she has known that she was a transgender woman since as young as being a toddler. And growing up in the 50s and 60s, she really felt isolated and felt like she didn't really know other people were like her. And years after her wife's passing, as Riley said, uh, and decades after suppressing herself and her true self, Sarah Kelly finally made the decision to come out to her family, friends, and proudly uh, represent herself as a transgender woman. So thank you so much for joining us, Sarah and Rebecca. So before we even get started in the questions, although your pronouns are she and her, Sarah, Rebecca refers to you still as dad or father. Can you explain why you chose to keep your parental title? Um, because I... This doesn't change the past, and uh, I'm still their dad, and it it doesn't disturb me to be to be called dad because that's that's what I was to them, and I said if they want they can still call me that. Uh, I have no, <clears throat> no issue with that. Awesome. Um, so, how long ago did you start your transition, Sarah? Well, I first came out in um, twenty. Well, I was coming out in secret before 2015, about 2014, but in 2015, I talked to my uh, boss at, at work at college where I was, and she suggested, I told her about my situation, and she suggested that why not come out? And uh, so I thought, well, I, I can't give any good reason why not to, so uh, other than fear. So I, I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll come out. So I came out officially at the college. I had been going out with friends and so on, dressed uh, uh, for some time before then. Okay, okay, awesome. And are you able to just tell us a little bit about your journey, you know, through understanding that you were a transgender woman and how that worked, you know, through your entire adulthood? Well, it was uh, it was a confusing kind of childhood because I presented as a boy, but uh, I had these feelings which I don't I didn't think that any other boys had, and I knew it from an early 
when I was maybe three or four years old, I knew that already. And uh, I felt very ashamed because I thought, this is, this, you must be some kind of a pervert uh, if you do this. And um, I tried to suppress it, um, but it came out when, when my parents were out, I would secretly cross-dress and um, hope that I wouldn't be caught. I was almost caught by them a couple of times, but uh, it never was. I managed to hide it in my entire childhood. Um, and I was, I was, I w wouldn't say I was homosexual. I was still attracted to women, but it was very confusing that I wanted to be one also. Uh, I, I I fell in love with women a few times throughout my life, and, and uh, but I felt so guilty because of what I was bringing to it that I that I couldn't pr proceed any further. So uh, when I did meet uh, my future wife, Veronica, I thought, "Well, this is a this is a, a very special one, and maybe if I get married." I will be cured somehow magically, and uh, I didn't tell her. Which when I, when I did tell her later on, she was kind of upset because she said, "Why didn't you tell me?" Because I said, "Then you wouldn't have married me." And uh, and she, you know, we were in love, so it was a it was a tricky situation. So I uh, I didn't know what to say. Like, I was guilty. I, I was. I felt selfish in that I had married her without telling her, and yet um, I was concealing this big secret from her. So, uh, and uh, so I didn't feel it was fair. And for the most part, I managed to suppress it. Um, we had a pretty good life, but I knew it was bubbling beneath the surface. It was. It was something that would sometimes break out and I, I would have to cross-dress just, just to get to, um, well, to experience that. And then um, when I did tell her, she's, it was shortly before she died and uh, she seemed to accept it. So I don't know how it would have gone uh, had she lived, but uh, she seemed to have accepted it and, uh, but once she got sick, then I forgot all about it. I, didn't, I just concentrated on, on her health. So, And it was only a few years afterwards that I, I thought I was going to die with this, like not, not experiencing this. And, uh, but it just got, got strong. The feeling got stronger and stronger. And, and so I thought, I just can't, I'm going to explode if I don't let this come out. And so... I started going out again, and uh, I, w I went to, to our uh, gay village at Church Street, where there's a lot of support for this. And uh, gradually it went from there. I found out about all of the resources and what, what I could do, what I couldn't do, and so on. And then I made the decision. Awesome. Okay, wow, thank you. That's enough or not. <laughs> yeah, no, we have that's, many. That's really 
We have many questions. <laughs> uh, so Rebecca, uh, did Sarah's identity come as a surprise to you? And how has your relationship with your father changed through this journey? Um, so initially when, initially when Sarah or when my dad came out, it was, it was quite a shock. Um, for most of my childhood, uh, and I think my siblings would also agree. My dad, you know, kind of gave off this super masculine image, um, which in hindsight might've been overcompensating. Um, my dad can correct me later, (laughs) later if I'm wrong. Um, so, you know, you know, I always had this, this image of my dad as being super masculine and, um, I don't know, into things that, you know, your typical heterosexual male would be into. Um, and so when my dad came out, I had just come back from my first semester of university. Um, and at first I kind of laughed because I, I really thought it was a joke. Like I really thought it was a joke. Um, and then immediately after just burst into tears cause it was just so confusing for me. Um, and I think it was just really hard to, hard to wrap my head around at first because my dad coming out was really the first, first kind of experience I had with, um, with, I guess, learning more in depth about LGBTQ, transgender people, you know, what's the difference between cross-dressing versus transgender, um, you know, getting into deeper topics like that. Um, so it was a very confusing kind of roller coaster of emotion, um, few years. And in the first year, I, I, um, I guess I was trying to wrap my head around it so much that I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable enough to, to really confide in any of my friends about it. Um, and I was also, you know, I was, early twenties, um, kind of trying to just, just figure out what all of it means. Um, but as like, as I went through the emotions, as I had a lot of conversations with my dad, eventually I, I told a lot of my friends, um, who were, who were very emotional and, and sad that I hadn't felt comfortable enough to tell them earlier, actually. Um, I think I was also worried about rejection from my friends or, or what people might think of our family, um, and whatnot. Um, but you know, it's, it's so funny to think back on that time because now it's so normal for us, um, that I often forget that it, it might not be so normal for so many people or it's not normal for the majority of people. Um, yeah, but it, it was a, a it was a very emotional time for for everyone in our family, I think. Um, and um, you know, we talked a lot, we hashed a lot of things out, and we still have our ups and downs. Um, but like I said, now it's just become more more normal for us, and we've all um, we're all very accepting of it now. It it didn't. The, I think the acceptance wasn't there right away. I don't want to say that it was perfect and everything was rainbows and butterflies right from the beginning, but um, we're, we're all in a place now where we've accepted it, we being my siblings and I, um, 
and it's just uh, it's just part of our life now. It's a very normal part of our life. <laughs> you had to tell your friends when they discovered almost accidentally, right? Yes, there was there was one incident when I um, my so on on weeknights my dad and I would both be going out. My dad would be going into the gay village, and I'd be going going out with friends to some of the bars. Um, and so often before I had told my friends, we had to, we had to coordinate what time we were coming home at so that we wouldn't run into each other. <laughs> and, um, and one time we were just coming to the house as my dad was pulling up in the car and my dad was, was dressed as a woman. And one of my friends started yelling, Oh my God, Becca, there's a woman who's trying to steal your car. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's okay. It's okay, guys. Let's just go into the house. Everything is fine. And they were like, what do you mean everything is fine? There's a woman in your car. And then I I, um, I had to tell them at that point I couldn't. It's hard. That's a hard way to explain that. it. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to explain that one away, why a woman is taking your car away and you're so chill about it. <laughs> and it doesn't bother yeah, exactly. you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Awesome. So, Sarah, what has been the most challenging aspects throughout your transition? It's still overcoming this. I've had a lot of self-hatred over the years, and it's still um, overcoming that. Sometimes I get very down because I I hated myself so much for, for um, so long. But sometimes I forget, and I just go back into that mode, and... and uh, uh, I don't know if I'll ever totally overcome that, but it it's, comes from a lifetime of having of self-loathing because of what I was. I couldn't do anything about it, and 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 I just loathed myself for being what what I was, and that's still that's still there, not as much as it used to. Um, it's faded a lot, but uh, it's certainly a challenge. So the next question we had was for both of you, Sarah and Rebecca. What have been the most surprising things you've learned through your transition, Sarah? Most surprising? Well, um, how accepting the others were because when I was um, a teacher at a college and uh, when I told my my uh, dean about uh, and she encouraged me to come out and I I was uh, I was a bit flabbergasted at first because I thought I, I can't do that that that's, that would be impossible and yet I couldn't think of any good excuse for saying no I wouldn't do it and so I, I agreed to it and this was in the spring and I sp- spent the whole summer worrying about coming out in the fall because when the classes started in the fall and I had a really bad summer because I was. Uh, dwelling on that a lot. But when when it actually came to it, it was just so surprisingly light and and I couldn't I couldn't I had prepared this self defense that uh, what I was gonna do and in the worst case if I was really humiliated I would be I would resign. I had this whole mental defense set up and then nothing. Everyone 
they just applauded when I, I said it. And, and, the, and that happened in numerous other places too. So uh, I haven't had any situations where I have been rejected, although I'm, I'm not sure, you know, that everyone accepted me totally, just that they weren't to, uh, we were afraid to show it. But anyway, the, the acceptance was was almost shocking because uh, it's not what I expected at all. I mean, you, a few years ago, I would have been hounded, I'm sure hounded out of the, where I was. I can imagine. Things have changed. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Things have changed so much. And I can imagine how surprising that would be if you had spent so many years feeling so much shame for it. And then when you finally do make that decision, and like you said, prepare for that shame, prepare for that rejection, and then to be be met with acceptance, I can imagine how that's not only surprising, but like how much relief that must have felt. It was. I mean, they they gave me a, a standing ovation, and then they came up in, in a conga line and shook my hand. Amazing. So I was, I was uh, just dumbfounded. That's awesome. So then, sorry, Rebecca, for you, what has been the most surprising thing going through this uh, transition with your father? I, I would agree with um, how accepting most people actually are. Um, just because, I mean, I know my dad's, she's, Sarah's had her own experience, experiences with that. But um, for me, it's been one of the first things I've had to tell um, people who I'm dating, you know, before they meet my family or anything like that. So, um, and I would say like in my earlier relationships, it would be a source of anxiety to have to bring that up and, um, and see how someone would react or whatnot. But, um, for, especially for my relationship right now, it was kind of one of the first things I said and was like, you know, this is what my, this is what's going on in my family. Um, this is who my dad is. And if you're not okay with it, you need to let me know now because this can't move, this can't move forward otherwise. Um, so it's been, you know, just how open and accepting people are. But, um, I think another surprising thing is, you know, when I think when you tell people that your dad is transgender or when my dad was coming out to people, um, the reaction says so much about them. Um, I thought that, you know, I almost took it as now that I'm so comfortable with it for me, it's more, more just like really interesting to see how people react to it. Um, whether you're met with resistance or people feel really uncomfortable or some people are super curious and they have a million questions about it. Um, I think it just kind of shows the level at where we're at in the world with you know, being in tune with who we are and um, being able to be vulnerable and ask questions. Um, one one uh, source of resistance was my uh, right, uh, my brother-in-law in Germany who couldn't who couldn't bring himself to meet me. He, he he said he just couldn't do it, and so I guess that's where he's at. So. I think even, I'm sure on like a much lesser scale, but for Riley and I, 
coming out even as sex workers, people have very interesting array of responses to it. And same as you're saying, they'll ask questions or they'll shame you or they'll be accepting. And it's a really a reflection of, of where they're at as an individual. And I think sometimes it's hard to remind yourself that someone else's response to this, because you're not doing anything bad, you know, being transgender, being a sex worker, you're not a bad person. It's no reflection on your morale or who you are in that sense. And I think people's reaction to that says more about them and nothing about you. So I think that is an important uh, point to make, Rebecca, is you can tell a lot about someone, how they respond to things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Often I mostly also just feel bad for them. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have so much self-work ahead of you. <laughs> oh, 100%, 100%. And it must be sad for them to live in such a closed-minded world, right? Like how much, how much people they must reject because of their own insecurities or fears. Absolutely. Yeah, it must be a kind of a quick way to, as I like to put it, like weed out the week, you know, like if we don't agree on this, then there's going to be a lot of fundamental things um, and values and morals that we're not going to agree on. And if we can cut ties here, then that's going to be easiest for everyone, I think. Yeah, it's like the trash taking itself out. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah, clearly Riley's the nicer one in this in this relationship. <laughs> Uh, Riley had the next sorry you're the blunter blunter one are you a little bit yeah for sure well that's good I mean that's good to be able to do that to speak your mind yeah Uh, yeah so um, we've had a few listeners message in um, whose family members haven't been the most supportive of them wanting to explore I guess um, their more feminine identity Um, how did you start the conversation with your late wife and other family members I um uh, well she asked asked me what um how I felt when I was with her and um she she would ask more often than I would try to bring it I didn't want to bring it up but she was she was very curious and um because I I revealed this came out at, at a social thing and um I admitted that, that I was transgender and, and uh, afterwards for a long time I, I I couldn't talk about it but she wanted to talk about it and, and I, w- I was the one that felt so ashamed because I felt uh, I would never have been unfaithful to her and I felt like this was you know something which was akin to having a, a, a lover or something like that so I, I was very reluctant to talk about it, but she, she kept asking me, and then I, I told her little by little it came out. And um, I remember uh, one of the last things she said, well, she said, because she was uh, quite upset at first, because she said, you know, I, I mentioned that she said, uh, why, didn't, why didn't you tell me? Or, you know, then I wouldn't have married you. And, um, but later on she said, well, I guess it's not so bad. I guess I may be able to get used to it. And that, that was the last conversation we, we had about that before, uh, the sickness overtook everything else. And so we never had any further conversations. I was just consumed with uh, her, her illness after that. My, 
my brother um, and sister-in-law, I told them, um, the reason I told them was more out of fear because uh, I had I had been home alone, cross-dressing, and they just all of a sudden came in and knocked on the door. And I was, I quickly stripped off all of my female clothes and just had my, put my shorts on and let them in. And then I thought, this, this, is, this was too close. I don't want, I would rather explain it on my, my terms than be discovered by accident. And that's what, and so I, later on I told them, I don't know if I told Rebecca uh, or first, uh, but anyway, I thought, uh, enough of this. I don't want to have it discovered by accident. Then it'll be much worse than if, if I explained it on my terms. So I explained, I, I, I told them later. And they were totally accepting. They, they said, you know, they, they started calling me uh, Sarah almost right away. And uh, it, uh, we've never looked back. Their they're, they're kids, they had three sons. And... Uh, Treat, treat me as though I, I'm no different, like I said, I'm no different than any, anybody else. It, it just, it's totally normal. And we don't have a, lot, a whole lot of other family. We have just the family in, in uh, Germany, my wife's family. And uh, one brother-in-law accepts me. Uh, we we uh, visited them. The first, I, mean, I presented as Sarah for the first time at, uh, just at the end of last year. But the other one... Um, he's not ready yet. He can't can't do it. So then, Sarah, what advice do you have for those who are going through a similar situation, whose family might not be as supportive? Because you're you kind of are in that position where some of your family is very supportive, and some, like you said, aren't there yet. So, what advice would you have for others whose family isn't supportive? Well, gather all the support that you can, that you can get as much as you can before you go to the the ones that are you, you don't think are accepting because you you need uh, in my situation uh, I was very insecure I mean if I had been if it, it had not gone well I don't know how it would have gone because I, I don't know if I would have reacted very well so it's very good to have all the support backing you up before you go to the ones that are not that you perceive as maybe being not as supportive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just gather all your all the support you can first before proceeding into the unknown. Um, and Becca, do you have any advice of how to be a supportive family member for someone who's transi- transitioning? I think um, the the most helpful thing is probably to put yourself in there, in there into their perspective. Um, so, like the, the initial emotions that came out were confusion mixed with anger, mixed with sadness that um, someone felt like they had to hide it for so long, but. After after some of the initial reactions cleared my head, I was able to think for the first time what it must be like to live my whole life pretending to be somebody I'm not and how 
exhausting um exhausting that is I mean even if I'm even if I'm just in a relationship or or speaking with somebody who's not authentic it's exhausting so you know just thinking about um how how much courage it takes for this person to come and open up like that and really you know show the the deepest part of themselves to you gives you some perspective and can hopefully make some people a little bit more open to to someone's to someone's coming out awesome. yeah um this was the for me was the deepest, darkest secret that I could imagine holding and having it being uh, discovered by accident, I felt that I would die almost immediately. Um, so it was, uh, when I, when I came out, it was like a total burden was lifted from my shoulder and I didn't realize I was carrying it for all those years. And it suddenly I, I just felt so light afterwards I didn't have to hide this anymore Mm -hmm. the next question actually is for both of you what have been the best outside sources of support the two of you have found Uh, there are certain groups um, uh, transgender groups uh, that are out there and one of them has been very helpful it's a group called Expressions which is trans um, it's mostly trans women I, I haven't haven't come across too many trans men but uh, mostly trans women and we we would have a pub night every month and we would uh, we had a, um, a weekend in in um, May called uh, gals spring fling where we went down to Gananoque, Ontario the weekend and we so uh, I, I made connection to a number of different people through that. So I found that very good. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say my my best friends have been a huge um, source of support, and just telling them and and letting them know everything that was going on. But. Um, I think really just educating yourself can also be a, a form of support. Um, so also there's also a really great TV show called transparent. I don't know if anyone so good. has seen it, but yeah, um, it's hilarious. It shows all the ups and downs that come along with, um, with, with that kind of a situation in your family. So if anyone is going through that situation, highly, highly recommend that. Definitely. That no, that that TV show one is good, great acting and everything. And I spoke to um, a transgender friend of mine who went through a similar situation. She said it is quite on point with how it was for her going through it. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but they said it was a pretty good representation. I actually watched it with my dad, so I think we we watched it together. So it was kind of it was. Uh, it was a nice little bonding thing to do too, you know, because then we could laugh at some things together because we had the same situation in our family or, you know, it made me stop and think and ask, is that really how you were feeling or did you go through these things as well? So it was a, it was a nice uh, thought provoking show to watch. Definitely. Yeah. 
sort of an, a way to open up the conversation of something that you might have a hard time bringing up quite why. We also watched uh, a show by Caitlyn Jenner where she had these trans friends and it wasn't quite as good, but uh, it also offered some situations which were um, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, like, came, but by the way, I came out almost same time as Caitlyn Jenner, so I I said she copied me. A hundred percent, she did. <laughs> she stole your th- she stole your thunder. That's what you wanted to say. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, as Riley had said, we have quite a few listeners who are transgender, or um, they are cross dressing, or they're transitioning, kind of through all all walks of the process. And I have uh, a number of them that reach out to me quite often asking me questions. And I always forward the questions to Riley. And, you know, I'm, like we said, this is not my area of expertise. And I don't believe someone should talk on something if they haven't experienced them themselves. So that's one of the reasons why me and Riley spoke. And she had presented the idea of, of having the both of you on, which I love. So when I posted on the Instagram page, hey, we're going to be interviewing Rebecca and her father, Sarah. Uh, do you have any questions for them? We have a lot of questions. <laughs> so I know we are short-ish for time, so we'll try to go through them all. But the first question was, what factors occurred for you that helped you realize you are transgender? And I know you had mentioned that you knew very early on in your life, Sarah, that you were transgender. So this person's asking, you know, what, what kind of helped you realize that? Um, well, as, as I said, I have this image when I was about three, three or four years old with, with my mother in a groceries, a supermarket uh, shopping. And I saw a woman walking by that was very, she looked very elegant. And I thought, wow, I wish I could be like her. And that was the first indication. Um, and then the desire uh, on on Halloween always to dress up as a girl. That, that they said that Halloween was their cross dressers Christmas. Uh, so that um, it gets pretty hard to hide. Uh, you have to make up a lot of different excuses uh, as to why you're dressing up as a woman or a girl year after year. So that was uh, no. I I, I knew. I was quite, I knew I was different and uh, I didn't, I just didn't know what to do about it at first. Other than, uh, the only thing was the self-hatred which came out. I wouldn't recommend that. Not not recommended. Um, so the next question that we have is, uh, I consider myself as gender fluid. Is it wrong to say that I am transgender? I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say it's wrong. I mean, uh, what, whatever you are at the moment is what you are. And, uh, you can be transgender or cisgender or, uh, I don't see any harm in those labels. It doesn't do any harm. Maybe does a lot of good. That's how you feel at that time. So next question was, did it take a lot of courage to make your transition, or was it just like, fuck it, people will judge me no matter what, I don't care anymore? Well, it it, it built up to a point where it, I just felt like I, if I didn't go ahead with it, I was going to explode 
because my mind was just uh, going ballistic at some point, and I thought, all right, regardless of how it's going to embarrass me, I'm going to go ahead. So it reached a point where a point of no return, where I couldn't, I couldn't stop it anymore, and. Uh, then afterwards, I, I went through the other steps, like the, the hormones and the surgeries, and voila. Mm -hmm. um, so, oh, sorry about that. Uh, what aspects of your physical and mental transition were the most important to you? The most important? Well, the, I, I felt that until I had the surgery, I, I wasn't complete. Um, so at the ripe, old, ripe age of 67, I journeyed over to Thailand on my own, and then I had it. So it's quite a big step for me. How did you pick a gender-appropriate name that you connected with? Oh. Well, I did. Actually, I didn't pick it. Um, I, I chose the name Terry at first, and I went to... a. A, to a pub on, on Church Street called uh, Cruise and Tangos. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's it's uh, where they they do drag. And I told in conversation, I told um, a woman that, there, and she was a little bit tipsy. But she says, "Come on, you don't look like a Terry. You look like a Sarah." She said, "Promise me you'll change your name to Sarah." And I said, "Well, I guess." Uh, I had no attachment to the name Terry, so if, if somebody thinks that I, I should be a, a Sarah, then okay, I'll do it. So I, it's, somebody else chose it for me, so that made it, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, someone else does the work. <laughs> That's right. They get the um, so how did you begin your transition? What were the first steps you took uh, to alter your physical appearance, if any? Well, I started just by uh, cross-dressing. I, I went to um, a, a well-known shop on, on uh, uh, in downtown Toronto that caters to cross-dressers, and I bought the uh, clothes and shoes and everything that I needed and the makeup. And um, they even provided a, 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 a someone, one of the guests that lived there, uh, for, for a fee, they would go out with me. So that was the first time I went out uh, cross-dressing. And after that, uh, it was a very nervous uh, night out that night because I thought everyone was looking at me and, and, and clocking me right away. Uh, this was my big fear that I would people would point at me and say, a man or a guy, that's a, that's a guy. And so um, I went out very uh, with a lot of trepidation, but it was it was great. And I went to that that pub to the Cruise and Tang, Cruise and the drag bar, and I had a great time. And so after that, my confidence just increased. So I was able to to go. I for one year I went out. Uh, Twenty fourteen, I went out every single weekend of the, the whole year. Uh, on Church Street and, and pubs around there because I couldn't get enough of it. So that kind of prepared me. 
Love that. To me, that sounds like my biggest nightmare, having to be social every weekend. But <laughs> but I totally understand being able to like wear what you want to wear and and express yourself how you want to express yourself. Finally, I imagine like it's yeah, you can't get enough of of that freedom. The next question. If you were to look at yourself in the mirror, do you see your new self or your old self? And if it's your new self, how long did it take you before the previous identity was no longer something you recognized or identified with? Well, I um, I transitioned very late, so the damage done by the male hormones uh, it cannot exactly be reversed. So I I'm in a much better position, in a better way now, but I I see that no one will take me as being a, a cis woman, I'm sure. But uh, I, I'm better off than, let's say, I was about five years ago. And so, um, so it is, it is better. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm 100% accepting because you know, when I when I look in the mirror, I think uh, nobody is ever going to think that you're a, a, a natural-born woman. But I get over that. That's why I'm a little bit envious of the, the younger ones because they have the, the hormone therapy have be much more effective much earlier on, and so well can't have everything. I mean, I had a great fat. I had a wonderful family, so that uh, uh, that wouldn't have come if I had transitioned earlier. Probably, or probably not. But, uh, I can't have you can't have it both ways. Very true. Yeah, Vic is all right. Vic is all right. Yes. <laughs> I made it. I'm here. <laughs> um, so this one's a little more um, heavy. Have you ever been scared for your personal well-being due to being trans? Um, I haven't really, the, the, the closest time on the subway was when uh, this young, tough looking guy said uh, to me that, uh, you know, I have friends that would really, you know, I, we just got to talking and he was asking, asking me about uh, things and he said, I have friends that could really mess you up. And I said, I told him, but you're, but you're a much more reasonable guy, and he seemed seemed to really uh, uh, make him feel better. And he said, "Yeah, no, I, w- I wouldn't." He said, "But I have some friends that would really mess you up." So, but other than that, I, I was never, I've never had any situations. Well, that's you know, I think that dude needs uh, new friends. Yeah, I'm just trying so hard to like bite my tongue. <laughs> I notoriously hate people like that, as everyone should, and like it's very hard for me not to say mean things to people <laughs> that are like that. But you'd think you handled well, it very well, <laughs> better yes, than I would have. Him, it mollified him very much, so and he was very friendly after that. Yeah, you're. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a good thing I wasn't there with you. <laughs> um, so the last listener question we had was how did you share with your daughter that you are transgender the very first time, and do you have any advice for me how I can share with mine? I am transgender with a 16-year-old son. Well, I guess 
if I can, if I recall Rebecca, I am. Uh, I had a hard time trying to come around to what I was saying, and I was just saying that uh, I, I said something about I'm always I'm always the same, no matter how I you know the the person that you know, uh, you knew has not changed, and um, I told her well, I said I have something I, I, I want to tell you, and, and uh, she her face went totally pale. And, I, I said that I'm trans, transgender, and she said she suddenly had a look of relief and said, "Oh my God, that's all! I thought you were going to say you had cancer." Uh, so, uh, and then, then I, I I went through and said, it, I um, gave a bit of the history that what I've gone through in my life, and that I inside, deep inside, I'm no different. It's just. On the sur- presenting on the surface, uh, and unfortunately, people judge by looking at the surface a lot, and they don't uh, look any deeper. But I said something about looking deeper, and I'm exactly the same person, no matter how I present. That you know that you've loved all along, and that that is not going to change. I tried to get that across. Uh, that the essence doesn't change. Yeah. It's just some sort of technical issue with the, the, the superficial presentation. It, ne- it needs to be uh, uh, worked out. Awesome. I'm sure that will help him. I know it's something that's been heavy on his mind, um, as is, I'm sure, with anyone who's in that position, how do I bring this to my loved ones? How do I approach this in the best way possible? Um, so yeah. So before we let you go, whenever I have guests on the show, one of the questions I always ask, and because the reason this podcast came to be was because I wanted people to have a voice and I wanted people to have a chance to say to listeners, to the world, you know, their piece. So this question's for both of you. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? I would say that people are the same everywhere. They want the same thing. They, they love the same thing. You know, I, they, they love their families and, and As hard, it, as hard as it is to overcome that, we have to try. We have to try to not give a superficial judgment of others and look for something more uh, deeper in them than, than presents. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you can't let your... Um, the, the fleeting feelings you have at the moment, the judgments you make... Uh, you shouldn't let them out because they, they do a lot more harm than they do good. And, and realize that they are just temporary judgments which, which don't stand the test of time. Awesome. And Becca, anything you'd like to add to that? I would probably say to 
instead of instead of an initial reaction of judgment to be curious about people because everyone has such an interesting story that they bring along and i think approaching with curiosity helps people also to be much more open it helps you to understand someone's perspective and you can learn so much from it so i think you know, if we approached a lot of things with much more curiosity rather than our judgment that we carry along, we would be in a much better place than we are now. Beautifully said, both of you. I, I cannot agree more with what you with both of you said. And like we like me and Riley said, we are so excited to have you on and we cannot thank you enough for giving us your time and sharing your stories with us. Uh, We're so excited to get it out there and have the listeners here because I know they are craving it and they're excited to hear your your voices and your stories. Um, So we are honored that you came on with us and spoke with us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. It's really, really lovely speaking with all of you. Yes, it's been a very good experience. All right. And where can people find you, Riley? Uh, You can find me on Instagram at VanCityRiley. Um, and as usual, that is the only platform that you can find me on. Um, and where can they find you? Yeah, you guys can find me at five zero plus a tip on Instagram or email me at five zero plus a tip at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you guys to slide into the DMs or email me with any questions, comments, um, anything you want advice on, anything you want to give your opinion on. Uh, we really love that interaction with you guys. So definitely hit us up there. And make sure to check out our amazing sponsors. We have Temptations Avenue Lingerie, which is a Canadian-owned lingerie brand with a variety of styles ranging from sexy and wild to demure and sweet. Check them out on Instagram at Temptations Avenue and use our discount code TIP25 to get 25% off your entire order. That's TIP25, T-I-P-2-5 for 25% off. And don't forget to use code TRULYPLESSATIP for 10% off your first online order of skincare products at Truly Lifestyle Brand. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week. And happy hoeing. Bye. Bye.